about 15 years ago, uh, I had a very unique experience. My, uh, my son and I and a group of people had just flown into Costa Rica. Uh, if you've never been to Costa Rica, you need to go there, man. That is one of the most awesome places in the world. But um, this is probably our third or fourth trip there. Uh, and so, you know, how it is when you get into an airport in another country and you just want to get out and get on your way. And so we were just about through the airport uh, where everybody was mixing and almost to the street. And then suddenly something crazy. We didn't know what it was, but we heard drums banging. We heard explosions. Suddenly we heard horns honking all over the place. People were shouting, yelling. And what was really difficult for us to figure out was going to, is everybody is speaking different languages because you're at an international airport. So you got people over here, a lot of Spanish speaking people, but then there's Asian speaking people and Arabic speaking people and, and all these people. And they're like, they're like just probably as perplexed as we are. And they're all, and so I'm looking for an English speaker. And then finally I, I came across somebody and I said, do you have any idea what is going on here? And I have to tell you, my son and I, we, we were kind of freaking out. We were like, did a war just start in Costa Rica? Uh, you know, did something crazy really bad happen? And, and so this English speaker said, no, 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 it's actually really, really good. See, what's happened is that the Costa Rican international soccer team, and you have to know that soccer is like a religion over in Central America, has just come back from Germany, and they beat Germany for the first time ever. And so people, I mean, just going out of their minds, celebrating. And, and then at that moment, it was like, Oh, this is great. So we could kind of celebrate with them a little bit. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story is because there's a story in the Bible we're going to look at today, and you're going to find the story in Acts chapter 2, and it's actually called the Day of Pentecost. So on the Day of Pentecost, some really like crazy things begin to happen. God uh, begins to pour out the Holy Spirit in a way that the people have never experienced this gift called the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to uh, the book of Acts, uh, chap chapter 2. And let me give you a little, little background right before we jump into it. Uh, in chapter 1, Luke writes this. Luke wrote the book of Luke all about Jesus, and this is like uh, what happens next, how the church begins. And, and so Jesus, by this time, Jesus has left. He's ascended and, and he's left instructions with his disciples. He said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus actually talked about the Holy Spirit quite a bit to his followers. Uh, but I think they really, because they haven't really experienced, they don't know quite what this all means. All, all they know is like, go back to Jerusalem and just wait. And so here they are, they go, in this particular occasion, they actually go back to the temple. And there's about 120 of them and they're just waiting for this thing that called the gift of the Holy Spirit that they're supposed to experience. And so here's where we pick up the story. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So what is the day of Pentecost? Uh, Pentecost actually is not new to the, to the New Testament. It actually is something that uh, the Old Testament believers follow every year. Uh, there, there would be this day. It would be actually a week after Passover, the first Sabbath after Passover, was the day of Pentecost. It also coincided with a bunch of other Jewish festivals. There was, a, the, there was the festival of the harvest. There was the festival of the first fruits. And so there was like this giant party that was going on. Now, here's the other thing about Pentecost. Jewish followers are people who were followers of Yahweh God, Judaism. They would come from all these other nations, from all over the place. And so there was actually three continents 
that were uh, represented in the story that were going to write three different continents, all these different countries, speaking all these different languages, and they're all gathered together. And, and, and so this is really an exciting time. There's, it's festival, everybody is partying, uh, everybody is eating the best food possible, the wine is flowing, there's dancing, it's like Coachella, maybe Woodstock without the drugs. It's just an amazing experience that every, everybody's having. So they all come together on the day of Pentecost. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind comes from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So a miracle is taking place. People are beginning to speak in languages that are not their language. Verse 5, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And, and when they heard the sound, a crowd came together, and notice it says, in bewilderment. Maybe feeling a little bit like my son and I were in that airport in Costa Rica going, what in the world is going on? Because each one heard their own language being spoken, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? This is kind of a little interesting twist to this story. The reason that they're saying, like, how are these Galileans speaking our language is, first of all, I hate to say this, but Galileans were not looked upon real favorably. They were kind of like, kind of like people you say, kind of uneducated, you know, maybe not the sharpest people. And so when they hear these people perfectly articulating their language, they're like, what is up with that? Then uh, it says in verse 8, then how is it each of us hears them in our own native language? It, give me an example. If right now I started speaking perfect Arabic, all of you, your mouths would drop, those who know me, because you know I'm not very, I mean, English, I'm still working on it, okay? And I'm not good with languages. I've tried to learn Spanish a couple times, doesn't, you know, I'm not good. So if I started sp speaking perfect Arabic, and you understood Arabic, you would say, that's a miracle. That's, and that, that's exactly what's going on with them. And then it begins to list a few people. It says, Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, Judea Cappadocia, uh, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. And it says, amazed and perplexed, they ask each other, what does this mean? Like, what is going on? Some, however, made fun of them, and they said, they've had too much wine. In verse 14, it says, Peter stood up with the eleven and he raised his voice to address the crowd. Now, this is, this is the Apostle Peter's big moment. Last week, we talked about Peter and his failures and how he got that right with Jesus. And so now, empowered by the Spirit, he stands up, and he's going he's to talk. He says, fellow, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning which is interesting because apparently Peter had never been to PB at 9 in the morning. There's a lot of drunk people. Anyway, he says, no, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. So what he does is he begins to quote from, from memory um, some scripture that was actually spoken of by a prophet named Joel a thousand years before this event would even take place. This is, by the way, this is, this is really an indication of the power of the Holy Spirit 
So Peter, just a simple fisherman, sat under a rabbi named Jesus for about three years, and he really, really learned the scripture, and it was deep inside of him. So when the moment came when he needed to, to step up and bring uh, clarity and explanation, it was just in him. This is one of the reasons I'm, I'm always really wanting to encourage you, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, because when your moment comes and you need clarity or you need something, uh, some truth from the Word of God, just like Peter right in this moment, it'll just, it'll just come to you. So he quotes, he says, In the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all people. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see vision, and your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. This is incredible because this has never happened before. As, as he's reading or actually quoting these scriptures, this is a phenomena that will happen for the first time that was predicted from long ago. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and the glorious day of the Lord. At the very beginning of this prophecy, it said, in the last days. So, some of you might be saying, so are we in the last days? Well, really the last days began after the ascension of Jesus. From that point forward, we, we stepped into a new advent called the, the new covenant, the advent of grace. We don't longer live under the law. And so, yeah, actually every day from that day forward, we're living in the last days. And, and the Bible says this, when, when's God going to wrap this whole thing up? We don't know. There are some indicators uh, if you study the scriptures, there are indicators, things that will happen that point towards that, and we're seeing a lot of those today. Uh, and then the verse 21, and I love this last verse, gives us so much hope. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's hope right there. Everyone. He says, basically, the Holy Spirit is, is going to be unleashed, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Save. And so we, I want to ask you this question, and it really it's a question that um, really is the heart of what this message is about this morning, and is how do we live a life fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit? Now, some of you, most of you probably, have some basic understanding of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not, I can't get really in-depth about it because it would just take a long, long time. But, but real quickly, first of all, remember, Jesus promised the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he called it a gift, which means it's good. And some of the descriptions or some of the really things that the Holy Spirit does in our life, when Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, he said, the Holy Spirit will give you, um, it will guide you to truth. The Holy Spirit will give you a power that you don't have. The Holy Spirit will comfort you when you need to be comforted. Uh, the Holy Spirit will be your advocate when you need an advocate. And on and on and on, all these things that the Holy Spirit would do. Now, I don't want to just stand up here and like, talk about all this stuff, and you're like, well, how does this work on a practical level? So um, let me tell you how the Holy Spirit has worked in my life, okay? The Holy Spirit in my life, I'm just like you, I've had some real down times in my life. I've had some times when I just, I just needed something to get me through. And in and, and and, and those times in my life, I have found that's when the Holy Spirit is there, to actually comfort me when I'm grieving uh, to give me strength, to, to guide me to truth and to wisdom in those moments where I'm like, just like, I just need clarity. And I've received that from the Holy Spirit. I'll give you an example of that. Um, I, up until a few years ago, I was a runner. And I've run all my life. I love running. Uh, one of my favorite places to run was over in the boardwalk. And I'd, I'd go to Crystal Pier, and I would run from the Crystal Pier all the way down to the jetty and back. It was a beautiful run. 
I miss that run. My, my knees are not quite what they used to be, so I can't do that. But, but uh, sometimes, in, I used to run in the afternoon a lot, the wind would really be blowing hard. And my first half of the run, I would just be like, oh, you know, straining, trying to get through that wind. Just like, oh, I just, just can't wait to get through this wind. But as soon as I turned around, I had the wind in my back. And that wind was so powerful, it literally felt like I was floating on the way back. I mean, I was just, I, I'm setting a world record, man. I'm just, like, I'm running so fast on the way back. And, and so to me, it, that's kind of what, what the Holy Spirit is like. The Holy Spirit in life is kind of like wind to our back. It, it's, it, it, it takes us to the next level. It does for us really what we can't do for ourselves. I, so I, I think the question we need to ask ourselves is, is the Holy Spirit working in my life? And if not, how do I get the Holy Spirit working in my life? Right? Because we, we all need that, don't we? So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. First of all, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit fulfills God's promise to equip us, to equip us. Um, Peter stands up. He talks to the Jews. He says, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And then he quotes, and he goes back to what Joel, the prophet, said. He said, powerful things are going to happen. It's going to be a new day. There's going to be a new power that will be released in, into your life. And so what that means is from the day of Pentecost until now, from the day of Pentecost forward, we get to live out the effects of what God launched that day. Now, that was over 2,000 years ago. And I know, I know there are some people that say, well, that was for then, but it doesn't apply today. But that's not true. Not at all. We have seen 2,000 years later, the gospel spread like wildfire from 120 people gathered together all around the world. There are not just millions of Christ followers today. There are billions of Christ followers today. And that has to do with the power of the Holy Spirit that was unleashed. It says all of them, this group of people, were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. This, this incredible miracle just, just takes place. So, what does the Holy Spirit do? One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is it allows us to translate the gospel to the people that are around us, all right? So, like, if, if you know a language that uh, uh, somebody else doesn't know and you're trying to translate for them, you have the privilege uh, of saying, hey, I, I can speak that language. Uh, I've spoken in different countries where I needed a translator, and it's always kind of a fun experience I don't even know what they're saying, but I say what I say, and I'm looking at the translator, and they're going, okay, and then they say it, and I'm going, oh, okay, I'm trusting them, and they're translating for me. In a way, that's kind of what the Holy Spirit does for us. He, he says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God and, and, in our own language. So what is the gospel? The gospel simply means the good news. And God wants to take, us, to take the good news and translate it into the lives of the people around us. Now, all of you live someplace in a community. There is a group of people you do life with. It could be where you work, whatever it is. And, and, and what we have is a unique opportunity as followers of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to translate the gospel to them. So what does that look like? Well, who are your people? Like, are you in the corporate world? Have you ever noticed that people in the corporate world have a corporate language? And like, they start talking, and you're like, oh, oh, wow, that's interesting. And they use all these different corporate words. If you're in the corporate world, you totally get it. If you're not in the corporate world, maybe not so much so. How about, how about military? I listen to military people speak, and they're just throwing all these acronyms out and all this stuff, and I'm like, I do not know what you're talking about. But they understand each other. 
So if you are in the military, then you get to share the gospel using a language that, that they understand. Now, I understand surfer. I've been, I've been speaking surfing language all my life because I've been surfing all my life and I know all the nuances and all the stuff there. And so when I get with my friends and we're talking about all that stuff, it's funny because I don't even think twice about it. All the people are leaning in going, what are you guys talking about? What are those weird words that you're using? But see, that's what God does. He gives us a unique opportunity, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to share with a group of people that are our people, whoever those, those, those people would be. That's how the gospel spreads, like wildfire. That's why it's all over the world today. Now, the Holy Spirit awakens and empowers us like an army. And, and so what happened uh, a long, long time ago, guy, uh, there was a prophet named Ezekiel. This was probably also about 1,000 years ago. Uh, before, I'm sorry, about 1,000 years before this event, the day of Pentecost. And Ezekiel had a really difficult job. He was a prophet, and if you were an Old Testament prophet, most of the time your job was not real fun. And his job was to prophesy to Israel. Now, Israel had lost their way with God. They were floundering, falling all over themselves. And so he was trying to speak on behalf of God, that's what a prophet would do, to Israel. And most of what he had to say, there was like, they were, they were strong words. But in this particular, chapter 37 of Ezekiel, God says to uh, Ezekiel one day, he says, Ezekiel, and he gives him a vision. He goes, what do you see? And Ezekiel says, said, I see a valley full of dead bones. And he says, that's right. He said, Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy life. I want you to speak life into those dead bones so that those bones come together and, and, and there's life. And what he was talking about was Israel, that they were spiritually dead. They had, they had no relationship with God. They had totally like, lost their way with God. And, and so this is where we pick up th these verses right here. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breathe from the four winds and, and, and breathe into these, breathe into these slain, those that are dead, that they may live. He says, so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and they stood up on their feet and look what he says, a vast army. He's prophesied, he's looking forward to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would just be unleashed. That word breathe right there is the same word that's used in chapter 1 of Genesis when it says God breathed the breath of life into Adam. The Hebrew word is ruah, ruah. Everybody try to say that. Ruah, breath of life. And so a breath of life entered into this new age called Pentecost. And all of us had the ability to, to receive a new power that had not been unleashed before. So we see that with the Holy Spirit's empowerment, well, a lot of great things can happen. One of them is that you and I can have a direct, um, we get direct guidance about our life, about what God wants to do with our life, as opposed to maybe our own agenda. Now, you say, well, Steve, you mean that our agenda and God's plan are in opposition to each other? No, not necessarily. It could be. So let me, let me give you an example of this from my own life. When I was 19 years old, I became a Christ follower. I'd grown up in the church, loved Jesus as a kid, got away from God when I was a teenager, came back at 19 years old. And, uh, and I had big, by the time I was 19, I think I, I pretty much had a plan. And I liked my plan a lot. My plan was that I was going to be coaching. I wanted to get into athletics. I wanted to coach track at a big-time school like UCLA or USC. That's kind of what I had in mind. 
And everything was going great until my best friend said, and I, I was going to be at San Jose State running track over there. My best friend said, hey, why don't you go to this little school that he was going to, it was a, it was a Christian college in Santa Cruz, called Bethany. And I said to my friend Sammy, I go, why would I want to do that? He said, well, you know, how, it would really strengthen your foundation with Christ. You can go for one semester, then go back and do what you're going to do. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. He talked me into it. And so I thought, well, while I'm here for this one semester, I'm going to really dig in deep spiritually. And so uh, at one point, for two weeks, every day, at the end of the day, uh, before I went to bed, I went to this chapel. Nobody in that chapel. It was a beautiful little chapel. And I get on my knees and I say, God, I just want to know you more and more. And something really crazy happened. God began to say, you know that plan you have, Steve? That's actually not my plan for you. And I was like struggling with this because, you know, I was really wanting to do this. And and so I'm like, well, Lord, and this is not an audible voice. This is just as I'm praying, I just feel like God speaking to me in my, in my spirit. I'm like, well, well, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to go into full-time vocational ministry kind of as a pastor. And I was in absolute shock. Just in, I think there's no pastors in either side of my family. Nobody that I know that ever been in, in like a pastor or vocational ministry. Uh, and there's a few criminals and there's other people in my family, but not those kind of people, Right. And so I'm like, God, you've got to be kidding me. And this is like, but it was so powerful that at the end of two weeks, I was kind of exhausted of, of like arguing with God. And so I thought, you know what I got to do? I got to, I got to talk to some people about this. And so there was, it was a great college and there were some really people that really connected to God. And I came to them and I said, can I, I want to tell you guys what's been happening to me. And I don't, I'm just going to throw it out there and you tell me what you think. And so I told them, I said, this is what's been going on. I explained the whole thing to them. And I said, what do you think? And they looked at me and they said, we totally get it. We see it in you. You are absolutely wired for it. That's you. That's you. Which was an utter shock to me. I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I See, I never saw this in myself. This is one of those situations where God saw in me what I didn't see in myself. And apparently it was evident to other people in my life. And so God changes the trajectory of my entire life to go in a different direction. Now, I know if I'm saying this, some of you are probably thinking, so are you telling me, Steve, that if I get on God's plan, he's going to make me a pastor? And it's just freaking you out. No, no. What, God has a plan for you, and it could be any kind of a plan. This is the calling that I have in my life, but your calling might be to be a computer programmer and be a, an awesome just witness to the people around you, to be an engineer, to be in the military, uh, to, to, to be a nurse, to be a, a school teacher. I mean, any one of those, that's a high calling from God. But here's the thing. Have you checked it out with God? Or are you just going to like go, you know, God, I got my deal going. I mean, is, is Jesus, Christianity just like Jesus extra? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, well, I think that Jesus might help my life out a little bit, but I'm doing what I'm doing. I mean, you know, I, I got a plan, and that plan is going to go through. Well, to be a follower of Christ means that you actually back up away from that and you say, God, do you have a plan for me? And isn't it interesting that he actually does know us better than ourselves? And could it be, could it be that his plan is actually better than your plan? I want you to think about that. When I look at my, my plan all those years ago, I think it was a good plan. I think I would have been successful as a, as a coach. But when I look at what happened to me all these years later, 
I like God's plan way better. I like it way better. And so I just want you to think about that for a moment. Are you tracking with God? And are you allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you into what God may be wanting to do in, in your life? The prophet said, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit in all people. That means everybody. We call this the priesthood of believers. Priesthood of believers simply means this. The Holy Spirit is accessible to everybody now. Did you know in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit was not accessible to everybody? And the Holy Spirit, you would find the Holy Spirit, uh, or excuse me, in the Old Testament, you would find the Holy Spirit in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. Every once in a while, there'd be these random appearances of the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't accessible to everybody. You had to go to a priest. You have to, uh, if you went to a priest, you hope, pretty much hoped everything would turn out okay. It may not. That was the Old Testament. But from the day of Pentecost forward, it's like God has just completely unleashed the gift of the Holy Spirit to everyone. And he says, that's why he says, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all people. And he, he, he talks about your sons, your daughters. Uh, you're going to see, your, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. I want to speak to old men for a second if there's any in here. You say, I'm washed up, I'm finished, God hasn't have anything for me. Apparently not. Apparently, you might be dreaming, you might, God might give you a dream of something that's going to be amazing. But he wants to use all people, all ages, men, women, right across the board. Why? Because God, from the day of Pentecost till now, he has poured out his spirit for, for us. We call it the priesthood of all believers. You don't have to go to a priest anymore since the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. So, if that's true, what do I do with that? So I have the Holy Spirit. I'm a follower of Christ. What, kind of what's my next step? Your next step is to find out, well, okay, what does God want to do in my life? And how am I wired? How am I designed? Uh, how can God use my skill set, my, my personality? And, and know this, one of the thing, you know what one of the things that really scared me about becoming a Christian when I was 19 years old? I was scared to death that I would lose my uniqueness. And, and this is a long time ago when I came to Christ. But I noticed, I kind of noticed that church people kind of looked alike, talked alike, you know, dressed alike. And I was like, I don't want to be like that. I'm Steve Bumbachi, I'm unique. And I, so don't make me a cookie cutter or anything. And then I discovered when I became a Christ follower that it was nothing like that. That God looked at me and others and said, you are unique. And I created you that way. And I want to amplify that. I want, to, I want your unique everything to, 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 to be an example of this in this world and a blessing to this world and a gift to this world. And we do that by the gifts that God gives to us. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul talks about it, and he says it this way. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace that God has given to each of us. If your gift is prophesy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, and by the way, we could always use teachers around here. If you have a teaching gift, we applaud it, and we'd love to uh, have you use it. We'll teach our children, our youth, uh, our, our life group, any one of those things. Then he says, use it. Uh, if encourage, then give encouragement. And by the way, I love encouragers, don't we all? You know, one of the things that really is, is my fuel for just getting up in the morning are the great encouragers in my life. And uh, we have a bunch of them around. I didn't want to start naming names. It would take me forever. But if you have that gift, keep, keep using that gift. Uh, if it's giving, then give generously. I, I know people, and they are just like money-making machines. 
They just know how to make money. I have a couple of friends that are millionaires, and their greatest joy in life is just giving their money away to bless other people and to really to advance the kingdom of God. Um, to do it diligently, to do it, show mercy. And if you, he talks about mercy, if you have the gift of mercy, do it, do it cheerfully. No, so there's a lot. That's just a few of the gifts. But there's a whole bunch of gifts out there, and God says, I want you to take that gift, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and I want you to use that. I want you to use that to spread the gospel. I want you to use it to make the world a, a, a better place. And so for some of you, um, you might be thinking, well, I, I don't know what my gift is, and we're here to help. Um, if, if you're interested, you can go, go online, go to newbreak.church um, backslash pathway. You can take a picture of it you want. You can come to me afterwards if you didn't get it right now. And you can go right to this gift test. And so take it. Now, when you take the test, you, you might say afterwards, so I'm, I have these gifts. What does that mean? Well, we're here to help you. So if you happen to take the test and it, and it says something like, uh, whatever it says, come to us if you're confused about it. But I think, we really think it'll help you take your next step and, okay, if, if that's what my gift is, I want to use that, and we'll, we can help you to be able to use your, your gift for God. Finally, our relationship with the Holy Spirit begins the conversion. It grows deeper throughout our, our lifetime. So the day of Pentecost was just a, a starting point, right? Peter comes out. He goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to repent. I want you to be baptized. And, and then I want you to receive the Holy Spirit and, and then move forward. So that's, that's, just, that's the starting line. And then you, you go forward from, from there. My wife and I, Karen and I, um, long, long time ago, we stood before each other in a place in a big church, and we, we recited our vows to each other, and it was the beginning of our marriage, this covenant relationship we had before each other. And I remember looking into her eyes, being a little bit scared, uh, and I think she probably was too, but also thinking, this is the greatest day of my life, and I could never love her more than I do right now. Little did I know that almost, you're not going to even believe this, we're, in September we're going to celebrate 40 years. Woo! I know, unbelievable. We got married at 10, but anyway. 40 years, 40 years going forward. And so how do I, what is it like 40 years later? I'll tell you what, our level and depth of relationship is much deeper. I mean, we, we know each other so well that we could finish each other's sentences. We know each other so well that in any social gathering, when somebody starts talking about something particular, I look her at her and she looks at me and I know what story I'm going to tell or she's going to tell. I mean, that's just, you just get to know each other at, at that level. This is kind of what it's like to, to track with the Holy Spirit and develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit throughout your lifetime. You begin to understand things about yourself. You begin to understand things about life. You begin to understand things about other people. There's a depth and an insight that you get from the Holy Spirit really being in, in your life. You, you, you cultivate it. And so it says in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 16 and 18, it says, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, let me just give you, I, I love this visual. I love this, this imagery. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit not only in you, but walking with you? So I'm walking and I'm like, Hey, Holy Spirit, how you doing, man? Good, good. It's so cool that you are always with me. Yeah, I am with you, Steve. And, and, and so I, I want to be as close to the Holy Spirit as I possibly can to give me the power, to give me the insight, to give me comfort when I'm going through a hard time, 
to be my advocate when I really need the Holy Spirit just to get me through something difficult. I want the Holy Spirit to be there. But this is what Galatians tells me, that there's a, there's a conflict sometimes. He says, uh, walk by the Spirit, that's that beautiful spirit walk, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, what is the flesh? The Bible tells us that the flesh is that other part of us that's in conflict with what the Spirit wants to do. So, you know, I'm like, Jesus, I love you, I want to walk with you, but my spirit sometimes is like, no, nah, not really. My spirit is like, I want to do what I want to do. And sometimes what I want to do is not what God wants me, wants me to do. So if it was, a, if you can see it on my face, like if I'm not having a good Holy Spirit week, uh, maybe it would look like this, all right? That's in my office yesterday, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good. I feel the Holy Spirit all over me, you know. Good Holy Spirit day. I'm tracking with the Holy Spirit. But what if I'm not? What if I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. Then maybe it might look more like this. Like, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the, the guy that my wife does not want to see. Like, oh, you're having one of those kind of days. One of those, uh, like, in the flesh kind of days, right? You know, it, it happens, right? But, yeah, but most of the time, it's this. Why? Because of the Spirit. You know, occasionally, that happens. But that's not what we want. We want to walk by, by, by the Spirit. So I'm going to try to make this as practical as I can. Like, how, Steve, how does that work on a daily basis? I mean, I get up in the morning, I put my pants on, I go to work, I do what I do. Like, how does the Holy Spirit play into all of, like, real life, like real every, everyday life? So um, it begins with this, I'm going to call it a prompting, these feelings that you get inside about where what God wants to do, about what's right, about what's wrong, about the people around you, about being tuned in to, to really what, what's happening around you. Um, and so, like urges, motivations, inspirations. So here's, here's what the Spirit-led life is like. It helps us to follow and accomplish God's purposes. And God, again, we've established, God has a plan for you, He has purposes for you, so the Holy Spirit in you Every single day of your life is going to guide you and prompt you uh, and, and try to accomplish some things through your life. And then it always agrees with, with Scripture. Every once in a while, you know, I get somebody who comes to me and says something like this, and they, you know, like somebody who claims to be a Christian, and they'll say, I feel like God is doing a new thing in my life. Like, well, what is that? I really think that he's leading me away from my family. And I'm like, whoa, excuse me? Yeah, yeah, I just, like, I had this new day, a new freedom in my life. And, and I say, so God is telling you to leave your children and your wife. Yeah, usually there's another woman involved, or a man, whatever, whatever the case might be. And I'm like, so here's what I want to tell you straight up. God is not in that, right? Because why? Because God doesn't contradict himself, all right? So if we're going to do something, uh, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to us and go, uh, that, that's not the direction I, I have for it. He opposes our sinful desires, we call this the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You ever done something and you feel that little conviction in your heart? You're like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. And you feel it inside, this little thing inside of you. It happens if the Holy Spirit's in you. And it's not just guilt. Guilt can happen to anybody, Christ follower or not. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God inside of you saying, you know, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Steve, you shouldn't have said that. You were talking about that person in a really derogatory way. It's called gossip. You shouldn't have said that. And I'll feel it. I'm like, oh, God. And, then, and so here's what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will never lead you away from God. 
The Holy Spirit will never say, so, you know what? God doesn't want anything to do. He'll lead you right back to Jesus. Repent. Steve, get it right. Repent. And then you're always going to be, by the Spirit, directed towards helping people, not harming other people. And then he's always going to align you with what we call the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy. How many of you could use a little more love in your life? And, yeah, I'm not talking about romantic love. I'm just talking about, like, being a more loving person, right? Love. How about, how about joy? Like, who doesn't want that in their life? And so these are so the, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Man, I'm still working on one patient thing. I'm getting better. God's helping me. But uh, for, uh, on this list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness. How about self-control? These are all things. That's a tall order, right? And God is saying, this is, I, this is what I want to do. I'm going to make you like God. And God has all that going on. Kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, all of it. But it's a lifetime pursuit. That's why we have to invite the Holy Spirit in and then cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit every single day of our life. That's why uh, I'm always, in my prayer every morning, I go, God, give me more of the Holy Spirit. I want more of your gift. I want it in my life, working through my life. And so how can I cultivate that relationship every single day of of my life? Now, I've answered probably maybe a few questions, and you probably have about a thousand more questions. And so we'd like to help you with that. There's a seminar our good friend, Mike Quinn, lead pastor of New Break Church, did a seminar about a year or two ago. And uh, in that seminar, it's about a, a little over an hour, he answers all kinds of questions. He does an amazing job of teaching about the Holy Spirit and the place of the Holy Spirit in our life. So uh, if you're interested, I'd really strongly encourage you to go to this. Uh, go online, newbreak.church uh, backslash SHS seminar, Holy Spirit seminar, and uh, it, you'll really get a lot out of it. So just... Just, just check that out if you would. I close with this. We're in into a new year, into a new decade. How much more of a role would you like to have the Holy Spirit play in your life? I have a goal. I don't know about you. I came into this new year. I was so inspired. I'm like, God, and, you know, everything from health to uh, financial to other goals that I have in my life. But have you ever thought about having, like, Holy Spirit goals? Like, what if, what if we begin to open up our life in a way that we hadn't before? What if we begin to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out of my comfort zone a little bit, and I'm going to open myself up to you and to the guidance and leading of your Holy Spirit in a way that I have never, ever done before? What would that look like in your life? Okay, here, here, Here's just a, a few ideas. Maybe you step out of your comfort zone and you say, I'm going to invite somebody to church. It can change their life. And maybe that's something you're not comfortable with. But you say, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to just ask God to help me. I'm going to go to my first mission trip. You go to a house build. We're going to do a house build in Mexico coming up real soon. And you've never done anything. It scares you half to death. You say, you know, I, I'm just going to do it. I know that God will help me. And I, I'm just telling you, if you do it, it'll change your life. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start living more generously. I'm going to start serving inside out the church. I'm going I'm to live more missionally at work. What does that mean? You know, one of the greatest privileges we have as followers of Christ is to be a witness at our, at our workplace. I, I'm not talking about, like, you know, walking around with the Bible and being obnoxious. I'm just talking about wherever you work, there are people around there that one day, one of them is going to come in, and they're going to have a really bad, bad day. 
somebody died, their spouse is divorcing them, one of their kids is on drugs, they're just going to just be in a bad place. And you, filled with the Holy Spirit, are going to step into that moment and you're going to be able to help them in a way that nobody else can help that person. And that's going to be your moment. That's what it means to have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You're just going to be tuned in. Maybe that's what it would be. But I, I want to encourage you as we come into this, this new era, this new decade, how will you allow the Holy Spirit to use your life? Would you bow your heads with me for a, for a moment? Lord, I, I just want to pray as, as a pastor, I want to pray a prayer of empowerment, Holy Spirit empowerment and blessing over this, this church. That our lives would be filled with the power and the gifting and the guidance of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Let's be people of the Spirit. I, I pray, Lord, if there are people that are afraid right now in this moment, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things like, am I, am I going to really open myself up or not? Give them the courage. Help them to know how their life can be so amazing. How you, you can begin to, to help them discover more about who they are and why they were designed that way. And I just pray right now, hearts would be open, lives would be open. And next year, this year, it's going to look different. It's going to be better. So in this moment, empower us. Let us have a hunger for the Holy Spirit. And let us be people who walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to go a little old school with an older hymn this morning uh, called Be Thou My Vision, but I think it speaks uh, very well to 